chapter 5, verses 14, 15, and 16. Acts chapter 5, verses 14, 15, and 16. It simply says, And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes. Isn't that amazing? I just like that, that right there. Believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. That's really the church right there in one verse. We have to keep growing. We have to keep multiplying. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least, at the least, the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. They wanted to get to him. There were so many people they couldn't all get to Peter, but they thought, well, maybe just the shadow of Peter would pass over them. That's how much power was in that New Testament church. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits. And they were healed every one. What a great God. You know you serve a God that's concerned about every single person. They were healed every one. How many of you believe today that every single person that is here today can leave this place being touched by God. Do you believe that? Everyone. Would you raise your hands right now? Would you ask the Lord to bless this message? God, what a privilege it is to come into your house once again with your people and to declare your word. God, I know you're concerned about every single person, Lord, and I'm asking you, God, that you would bless us today, that you would anoint hearts and minds to receive your word and anoint your messenger, God, to preach the word without fear. We'll give you praise for all things. Everybody said in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I was driving my uh, father up to men's conference a couple of weeks ago in Ocala. And although his, his car is uh, more than 10 years old, it still has some pretty cool features on it. We had decided that we would use uh, his vehicle. And so once we were able to secure a device that we could put in the car that would get us through the toll booths, and, uh, you know, you don't want to go through Orlando without one of those e-pass devices in your car. And uh, if you don't, then it's going to be quite an ordeal. And uh, it's much better to have an e-pass device because then you don't realize how much money you're spending driving through Orlando. When you have to shell out quarters and quarters and dollars. And you're like, it, could talk, it cost $8 to drive across Orlando. Another reason to live in Palm Bay or Melbourne right there, folks. But... We were able to put one of those devices in the windows, and we drove his car to Ocala, and he's got some pretty neat features on his car, even though it's, it's, a, it's an older car and got about, what, 175,000 miles on it. It's still a nice car, and one of the things he has on his car that I really like is that if you just put the key in your pocket, you don't have to actually take the key out to open the trunk or to open the door or to even start the car. Somehow it communicates with the necessary electronic transmissions and if you just have the key in your pocket, you can walk up to the trunk and you can hit the button and the trunk opens up because it recognizes that there's somebody with the correct authority. <laughs> you already know where I'm going. That is close by. And doors start to open. And things start to take place. By just having that key in your pocket, you have the authority. You don't even have to take it out and use it. You just got it there. <laughs> Boy, I'm going to tell you what. 
There is something about apostolics. You don't even have to, dis- you don't even have to declare who you are. You can walk up in a room and people can say, there's something different about him. Just have it in your pocket. It's just there. There's something different about him. There's something different about her. That must be a Jesus name person right there, boy. Well, once we got to Ocala, I had to switch uh, vehicles with Brother Jimmy Chapman. Brother Jimmy Chapman's got one of these little James Bond cars. It's like a little BMW Z4. And man, this thing just as cute as a bug. I don't know if you've seen it yet. He's been sporting around town a little bit with it. And uh, comes up here in the parking lot. And man, it just sits... I mean, it just sits low to the ground. It looks like it could go 200 miles an hour. And it's got all the lines and the racing stripes. And whoo, man, that thing is amazing. As long as you don't mind riding on the ground, because that's what you feel like you're doing when you're sitting in it. <laughs> so we got to Ocala. We had to switch cars. He had to run my dad to the hotel. And I had to use his car to go up to the campground. So I got in that thing. And I was parked right on the side of the road where everybody wanted my parking spot. People were saying, are you leaving? Are you leaving? I'm like, yes, I'm leaving. He had given me his key. So I just put the key in my pocket because I figured this is a sports car. Surely it could do what my dad's 10-year-old car could do. You would think. I mean, it's a Z4 BMW, which stands for something really powerful. Varian Motorworks, I think it stands for. So I got in there and I got in the car and cars were lined up behind me. They were waiting for my parking spot and... And I'm in there, and I push the start button, nothing happens. Start button, nothing happens. Start button, I pull the key out, look at it, hold it around the dash. Start button, nothing. Cars are honking at me. I'm like, here I am trying to be cool in the Z4, and I can't start the thing. So I thought, oh, it must be voice activated. So I'm like, start the car, start the car, start the car. (laughs) Nothing's happening. So I called Jimmy on the phone. I'm like, how do you start this thing? He's like, you got the key, right? I'm like, yeah. Says, see the dash? Yeah. He said, take the key and stick it in that hole that's there in the dash. He said, you got to like actually put the key in to make this thing run? He's like, yes. So I put it in there. Boy, that thing fires up. And then I'm like, well, I'm ready to go then, you know. So I pulled out of there, and everybody was happy, and everybody quit honking at me, and everything was fine, and I'm driving off in this thing, and boy, it seemed like it could go, you know, forever, you know, it's this futuristic sports car, but yet, with all the power in this little sports car, you had to actually put the key in the ignition to start. Jesus told Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And this is why Peter was the one who preached to the Jews in Acts 2 and the Samaritans in Acts 8 and the Gentiles in Acts 10. He, he opened up the door of the plan of salvation to all three of these groups because they represented all the nationalities on the earth. The Jews in Acts 2, the Gentiles, which is everybody that's not a Jew in Acts 10, and then in Acts 8, Samaritans, which were part Jew and part Gentile. Peter had the keys. Peter declared truth. Peter opened up the door of salvation. That's why you and I can know what it takes to be saved. Because when you read Acts 2 and Acts 8 and Acts 10, it's always the same message. You've got to repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
which they all did in those three places, and the evidence of the Holy Ghost is that they begin to speak in other tongues. So we know that the plan of salvation is the same today as it was there. Peter was the one who declared this. Peter had, according to the Bible, the keys to the kingdom. What's neat to understand about this biblical principle that we're going to talk about today, which is the power of proximity. That is that Peter didn't always have to take the key out of his pocket. Not everybody could get to Peter for him to put his hand on their head and pray for him. But they brought the sick out into the streets just hoping that his shadow would come over them. And if we could just get in the proximity of where Peter That we believe there's so much anointing, so much power, that our sick loved ones can be healed. Those that are possessed with unclean spirits can be delivered. Woo, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you how powerful God you serve. That if you can just get in the company of people that know how to pray, know how to get a hold of God. If you can just get near some people that know how to touch the throne of grace. You may have had a bad week. Everything may have gone wrong. You may have messed up and made some mistakes this week. But you said, I'm going to go to the house of God anyhow. Because if I can just get in the proximity. Something's going to happen. The Bible says that was so much faith. That every one of them was healed. Because they said, we can just get there if we can just be a part of this. They knew the power to heal and to deliver was all around him. And I got to thinking about how God is, this power of proximity is that God doesn't confine his power to just one person. He, He has this power that permeates the atmosphere. Goes out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why it's so important to have the right people around you, the right friends around you. You've got to have that right. You know, there's a, there is a, I was telling the, the service, the group that was here earlier today, there's no doubt that even in our world today, there is power that takes place with sin in that what people do individually affects all of us collectively. And people, there's this philosophy in our world today that as long as people aren't hurting anybody and they're just, you know, in their own home or they got their own lifestyle or whatever, you know, let everybody do whatever they want to do as long as they're not hurting anybody else. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. You don't confine sin to one person or one household. Somebody says, well, I'm just going to drink. I'm going to just be an alcoholic. I'm going to drink all I want to. Well, guess what? That affects your marriage. That affects your kids. That affects society. That affects health care. It affects everything and everybody. No, we're, none of us are an island. Whatever you do individually affects me. And what I do affects you. So we live in this world that has this philosophy. Let everybody do what they want to do. If you don't want to believe God, well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? All we got to do is look at history. And as people move further and further away from God, civilizations collapse. Governments are brought down. Oh, yeah, there's a reason why America's been blessed. It's because it was built on biblical principles. That's why America's been blessed. Not that we're smarter than anybody else. So sin has a power that permeates. 
Sin has a power of proximity. But guess what? The Bible says greater is he that is in you. And where sin abounds, grace does much more about. I'm going to tell you the best thing happening to this city is this church sitting right here at 1021 Emerson Drive. They may not think that at City Hall. They may not think that at Walmart on Malabar. But I'm here to tell you the best thing going on in this city is a church of righteous people that will declare the glory of Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Because there's a power of proximity. And when a man or woman will declare, I'm going to tell you something. Oh, I just feel this in the Holy Ghost. There's something powerful that happens when a man will stand up in his own family and say, now wait a second, sister. You're my daughter, and I love you, but you ain't going out of this house dressed like a hoochie mom. I love you, and you're my son, but you're not going to spend all your days on the internet filling yourself with all that garbage. You're going to take some time to turn off technology and to get into the Word of God. I'm going to tell you what, the best thing this society could have is men and women that will stand up for righteousness in their own home. It doesn't just bless that family. It blesses all of culture. not understand all of the doctrine. You may not understand the oneness of God. But if you can just get in the company of where truth is being preached, power will permeate the atmosphere. Because truth has an anointed territory. Truth has an anointed territory. There's something that happens in the atmosphere when truth is proclaimed. This is why Peter had the keys to the kingdom. He didn't have to walk around telling everybody that he did. He didn't have to put the key in the ignition. He could just put it in his pocket. But the spirit world knew here comes somebody. Here comes somebody with power. Sickness had to flee. Unclean spirits had to flee. Oh, I wish you understood the power that you've got with God. Uh, you can walk up on the job site. You don't have to say, well, I'm going to have a stalk. I'm gonna... you, all you got to do is get in the atmosphere and begin to declare the glory of God and things will begin to happen. world knows this. That's why they want you to keep quiet. Just keep it to yourself. But guess what? We can't keep it to ourselves. Because the spirit world knows it. You say, Pastor, you don't think that really happens, do you? Well, guess what? If it can happen with a key fob, I'm pretty sure it can happen with the God of glory. That controls the airwaves. But why is this? Because truth permeates. There's something about truth. This is what was going on with Peter. This is why they said if we could just bring the sick out into the streets. Here is this one that declares truth. Here's the one who has the keys to the kingdom. This is the one who preached in Acts chapter 2. This is the one that preached. You go through all the book of Acts and you'll see this. You know why? Because truth is not subjective. Truth is not arbitrary. Truth is not semantics. Truth will set you free. And the declaration of truth changes the environment. 
Let me give you some examples. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached truth, it spilled out into the streets. There was only 120 in the upper room. But remember, there's this power of proximity. So it spilled out into the streets. 3,000 people, the Bible says, were added to the church that day. They came from all around. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia. Pontus, all these different places. They come around and they, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Peter gets up there and what does Peter do? He declares truth. You got to declare truth. That's what changes the atmosphere. In Acts chapter 10, as Peter was preaching truth to Cornelius, it was Cornelius' prayers that sent the angels on a journey. They found Peter in Joppa at Simon the Tanner's house. And he came down and preached. This is a Roman centurion, hated by the Jews. But guess what? God's concerned about every single individual. So because of that, Peter comes and preaches. And the Bible says in Acts 10, it wasn't just Cornelius that was saved, but the whole house. I, I, I tend to think there were family members and there were servants and there were people that were a part of, of the staff and they all got together. And the Bible says the Holy Ghost fell on all the house. Woo! How many of you remember maybe somebody invited you to church and you said, I'll just go and check it out. But when you got to the house of God, you didn't become just an observer. You became a participant. Something got a hold of you. And you said, I cannot deny it. I came to the house of God and I knew it was real for myself. Acts chapter 8, the truth was being preached. And the Bible said it affected the whole city. There was great joy in the city of Samaria, Acts chapter 8 says. No one could deny it. I mean, it permeated the whole city. People are getting saved and Things are happening. There was a guy there by the name of Simon. Simon the sorcerer. He was always trying to trick everybody with a bunch of smoke and mirrors, and he was a sorcerer. I'm sure he had all the fine clothes. He looked like that little Z4 car running around. Had all the racing stripes on him. Ooh, there's Simon the sorcerer. Ooh, watch out, everybody. Be quiet. People take their kids, kind of walk to the other side of the street. There comes Simon, the Z4. He had to look, but he didn't have the power. Y'all don't want to hear this, I know. Y'all just want to play church, go through the motions. I believe this world is hungry for the real thing. I believe this world is hungry for undeniable power. You go ahead and just play the game if you want to. You go ahead and just run around with Simon the Sorcerer if you want to. But when your kid is hooked on drugs and your marriage is falling apart and the doctor says you got cancer, you're going to look for Peter and somebody that will proclaim the truth of the God. If I could just get with some apostolics, if I could just get in the company of a one God apostolic talking church, He wanted it so much, he wanted to know what it cost. What will it cost to purchase this power? He thought it was just a money deal. That's what religion has become in America, money. Just a big money game. Bunch of little Z4s running around. You can have it. I'll take my dad's 10-year-old car. 
it'll still open up whenever you walk up on it. Give me the old gospel of Jesus Christ. I got a buddy that sent me some pictures of his Easter service. Him and I used to work together in several different committees. His dad's an apostolic preacher. He decided a few years ago he was going to go charismatic, draw a big crowd. And he's doing it. He showed me a picture. They rented some big Barry Center, some big deal down in Houston for Easter. Had over 40,000 people for his Easter service. He sent me pictures of it. David, you won't believe this. Pictures of a big stadium full of thousands of people. I started looking and investigating into it a little bit more. Had all these smoke and lights and big screens. And Boy, I looked at that and I thought, man, I'd like to have 40,000 people on Easter. I was pretty happy with us having over 3,000 Easter weekend, you know. Boy, that's great. My buddy sends me this picture of him, the the center where the Houston Rockets play with 40,000 people. Then I look into these pictures and they got all these people all tattooed up on the platform. They're the worship leaders and some guy's slinging his hair around. It's long. He's up there with skinny jeans on preaching the gospel. He's like one of them little Z4 for running around. <laughs> He's got to sell his car after this message. <laughs> I said, well, I can't compare myself to my friend because I'm trying to build a church. He's trying to build a crowd. I want the old car that'll open up. I want to be able to get a hold of God. I want to be around some intercessor prayer warriors that said, hey, there may be a more convenient way of doing this, but give me that old gospel. Give me that old time. Really? It was good for Paul and Silas. The problem with Simon was he wanted the power without the truth. That's what sorcery is. It's wanting the results without the relationship. It's wanting the transformation without the truth. It's wanting the deliverance without the doctrine. Spiritual sorcery is the act of trying to have the power of God without the commitment to God. Ladies and gentlemen, this thing wasn't built on somebody running around with a rabbit's foot in their pocket. It's going to take the power of God. That'll open up the doors of deliverance. That'll break the chains of sin. It's going to take old-fashioned, Holy Ghost, intercessory prayer. Tap into that. It won't be confined to just this building. It'll shake Palm Bay and Melbourne and South Boulevard. Because it does more than just appear to be power, but it is actual, undeniable power. He said about the apostles, they said we could not deny. It was undeniable that they had been with Jesus. So you and I have to decide, do we want the sports cars with all the racing stripes? Or do we want the power of God? I can change our homes and our friends and deliver us from sin. I believe this world is tired of church as normal. 
Will we all just dress up and go to our beautiful buildings with our professional musicians and singers and lights and fog machines and pop psychology, but no truth is being preached? No conviction. No admonishment from the Holy Scripture. No altar calls. Oh, yes, my friend, that's all around you. That's in abundance all around you. But I don't know about you, but as for me in my house, I want to be around somebody that will declare truth, even if it hurts, even if it doesn't make me feel comfortable, if somebody will declare truth. Have all that stuff if you want it, but I just want to get close to the fire. I just want to be in the company of people that know how to get a hold of God. I'm sure there were people more polished and more professional than Peter. But when Peter came up on the scene, the lame got up and walked. The sick were made whole. The demons had to flee. Why? Because Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter said that thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus said, and thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. What rock? The rock of revelation. The rock of relationship. The church, my friend, is not a social club. It is a rock. It's a rock that you can stand on when the winds of adversity blow. It's a rock that you can stand on when sickness comes. It's the rock. When you throw a rock into a pond, it may drop in one spot, but it ripples out. Power of proximity. It spreads. The church was not designed to be self-contained, but to ripple out into the atmosphere. Truth is a rock that ripples out into the atmosphere. I said truth is a rock. That ripples out into the atmosphere. When truth got on the boat. The boat went out in the Sea of Galilee. The Bible says there were many other boats that went. But there was one boat that had truth. Jesus Christ. And all the other boats didn't have truth on board. But they were at least in the vicinity. I said they were at least in the vicinity. And when they woke up truth and said, Cares not that we perish? And he stood on the bow of the boat and he spoke to the storm and said, Peace be still. That sea settled down at his feet like a scolded puppy dog and every other boat benefited from it. Not because truth was on board for them, but because they were in the proximity of truth. My friend, even if you don't understand it all yet, keep on coming. Keep on being a part of an apostolic church because truth is beginning to permeate your family. Truth is beginning to permeate your mind. Truth is going to have an effect on you. It doesn't lay dormant. It's not static. It changes its environment. Hmm. Only one boy brought his lunch to the Lord. And when truth took that bread and those fishes into his hands and began to multiply it, 5,000 men and their families were fed and there were 12 baskets left over. It paid to be in the company of truth. 
It paid to be close by, even if you didn't bring a lunch. Maybe you forgot it, or maybe you were too stingy to turn your lunch over to the hands of Jesus, but you were still fed. Why? Because you were there. I said, because you were there. If you were not a believer, maybe you were one of the leaders and complaining about this journey into the wilderness with Moses. You still got to participate in the miraculous and you still got to walk over on dry ground through the Red Sea as the walls of water mounted up on either side. You may have been the one who wanted your flesh pots filled with the meat that you longed for from Egypt. You may have been void of any faith at all, but because you are there, you got to participate. In the miraculous, in the low-flying quail that came in and fed the masses. You got to walk under the cloud of the Almighty by day. And you were afforded the protection of the pillar of fire by night. Why? Because you were there. Oh, I feel like saying this again to somebody. You may bad week. You may have had all kind of trouble in your life. But you got up and you came to church got something for you because you're there proximity of it proximity of it just being close by in the company of it simple fact were you were there you were there don't let the devil talk you out of going to church so many times I hear people say pastor I would have been in church but I made some mistakes this week and I felt like I'd be a hypocrite if I go to church. Don't let the devil sell you that lie. If there's ever a time to be in the proximity of power, it's, it's when you've made some mistakes. I said it's when you've made some mistakes. you got to still believe. If I can just get to the house of God. I can just bow my knee one more time. I can just call out to God. He will hear my cry. He will deliver me. Because there's a power of proximity to this message of truth. It expands beyond this building and beyond those that are watching by internet. It expands beyond even your friends and your neighbors. It permeates the atmosphere. Don't ever let the enemy talk you out of it. Doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. I was telling our service this morning. I belong to a, I'm on a board of a group of people out in Tupelo, Mississippi called New Beginnings that works with teenagers of unwanted pregnancies and Christian adoption. They've placed over 800 children in Christian homes in the last few years. They're an amazing group of people. They started a new program that's called Be Brave, which is where they work with young people that have unwanted pregnancies and try to convince them not to have an abortion but to put the child up for adoption if they're not able to take care of it. We were there, had some different speakers that came in. It was only a few weeks ago. I was over there for board meetings, and they had some speakers that came in, and they started talking about how they have been working with young people in churches, trying to talk with girls and say, why, why would you want to have an abortion when you can have this baby and it'll, you can't take care of it? There's hundreds of families that are lined up wanting to adopt. And they said over and over, we hear the same story. Oh my God, when they told me this, I haven't been able to get away from it. They said over and over, these girls tell us the same story. We had an abortion because we felt like God would forgive us easier than the church would forgive us. 
We didn't think the church would forgive us. Because we got pregnant, we weren't married. So we thought it would be better just to kill the child because we know God will forgive us, but we don't know if people will forgive us. I heard those people say, I made up my mind. I said, as long as I'm a pastor, I want people to feel safe coming to the house of God. I don't care what mistake you've made. You ought to be able to come to the house of God. I say to this great church, you ought not to judge people. People come. I have a friend that's in town. It's a good man. He's, he allowed me to baptize him in Jesus' name. and I've known him for many years. His daughter was raised in church, but she got pregnant with a neighborhood boy when she was only about 15 years old. And she went to church, and she became more and more obvious that she was pregnant. And she was in a bathroom stall. This is not our church here, but it's another church in town. And she was in a bathroom stall, and she was about seven months pregnant. She was in the bathroom. Two ladies from the church walked into that bathroom, didn't know she was in there. And they started talking. They said, we can't believe it. They referred to her dad. We can't believe so-and-so would bring his daughter here being all pregnant like that. What a disgrace. She's sitting in the bathroom stall listening to all of this. She walked down to church that day. She's never been back to church. Her son that she had is a grown man by now. She considers herself an agnostic. I've tried to invite her to church. She, she can't hardly have anything to do with it. I said, I'm going to tell you something. That may have been what people said, but that's not what God said. He still loves you. And I admire you for having the baby. But I said, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ is a God. Oh, my friend, it doesn't matter what the circumstances may be. If you can just stay in the atmosphere. There is a power. There is a love. There is a God that will reach for you. House of God ought to be a city of refuge. It ought to be a place for all of us to come with all of our different baggage from all of our different walks of life. But we're all here because of the love of God. It's the common denominator that's brought us all together. And it's because when we heard truth preached, there was a power that changed our lives. But if there's one thing I've learned, as much as God loves us and as much as God reaches for us, we have to be able to accept it. You can know that God will save you. You can know that God forgives you. But can you accept it? You know what this right here is? It's an iPhone. Somebody told me today that over 80, 80, what is it, 87% of people between the ages of 14 and 18 years old have an iPhone. Some of you don't have an iPhone. You just have a cell phone. <laughs> and that's okay. But you won't be a part of this experiment today. Because iPhone has something called AirDrop. And I don't know how it works. It doesn't use cell service. It doesn't use Bluetooth. I don't know what it does. But it somehow communicates around to everybody else that has an iPhone. And though you may not have been positioned right to get the picture, if you're just close by to somebody that was able to get the picture, they can airdrop it to you. We're going to take a selfie right now.
Everybody smile. Now turn on your airdrop. You may have to be under 30 years old to be able to do this. Diana's iPhone. Here it comes. I just sent it to her. Did you just get it? Here's what happens when the picture shows up on her phone. It has to say decline or accept. You have to accept it. There goes Jeff. I just sent it to him. There goes Luke. I just sent it to him. Is that my Luke? I didn't even know he had a cell phone. There he goes. It's sending. Did you guys get the picture? Everybody gets the picture. Stand up. There's Luke. He got it. (laughs) Diana got it. Where's Jeff at? He got it. (laughs) There he is. (laughs) He wasn't even in church, but he was close enough. I'd rather people come and at least stay in the lobby, even if they're not in the building. But guess what every one of these people had to do? They all had to hit accept on their phone. So three things has to happen. I just use this to illustrate what happened spiritually. For you to see the picture clearly as God intended for you to see. You have to be on the same frequency. You got to be close by. If you're at home in bed this morning, you don't get this. This airdrop only works for those that are in the immediate area. And then you have to hit accept. Before you and I can really get the love of God, really understand what the Lord is trying to do with all of us, individually and collectively, it requires us saying, Lord, I'm having a hard time forgiving myself, but I'm going to accept your forgiveness. Because I see myself as a collection of mistakes, but you see me as an overcomer. You've taken all of my sins. And the Bible says that he nailed them to the cross and the blood came over. He doesn't even look at all of that anymore. And for me to be able to see that picture clearly, i got to get on the same wavelength. i got to say, Lord, I'll accept your forgiveness into my life. I'll accept your love into my life. But i got to realize this. That only comes... Well, I'm willing to stay close to what God is doing. One old preacher said, you got to stay under the spout where the glory comes out. i got to stay close to you, God. Because if I do, you'll send me stuff I never expected. You'll send me love and grace and gifts and joy that I never thought was possible. If I can just accept it into my life. Would you stand to your feet all across this building? Oh, thank you, Lord. If you'll accept his love and his mercy today, would you walk out from your seat and come down to the front of this building? Stand in this altar area right now. By so coming, you're saying, Lord, I accept. I accept. I accept your word today. I don't decline it. I won't reject it. 
And I accept it. Not even sure yet what all is going to happen, but I'm just saying, Lord, I accept it. I accept it. Come into my heart, O Lord. Come into my heart, O Lord. I desire you. Oh, it's beautiful. People are coming from all over the building. I don't know exactly what your situation may be today, but I feel like that there's a God here that says, come on. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row. You don't have to have everything all figured out. Just be in the company. Be in the presence. Be in the atmosphere. Because where truth is proclaimed, there is power. Wonder-working power. I feel like right now the Lord is just wrapping His arms of love around this entire congregation. I don't know what you may be facing right now, but I wonder, would you lift your hands? And would you lift your voice? And would you right now say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing today that you can make to turn it over to the Lord right now. Whatever it may be that you're facing, why don't you give it to God right now? There's nothing to dirty. There's nothing, Lord, that you can't heal. That you can't deliver.
says where two or three are gathered together I will be there in their midst the Bible says that two or three can agree as touching any one thing they shall ask in my name and it shall be done part of understanding this power of proximity is understanding the strength that we draw one from another and I know that we live in this very self-autonomous world where we all have our bubble but God gave us a church so that we would strengthen one another so we'd be a part of the family of God. And I want you to know you're not fighting battles individually, but you got a group of people here that'll fight for you. I said you got a church that was intended to strengthen one another. I wonder right now if you could just join, maybe you're standing next to your spouse or maybe man on man, woman on however you want to do it, just connect with the person next to you. I want us to pray for one another right now. Oh, thank you, Lord. I wonder if we could just pray for each other right now. Thank you, Lord. Come on, would you pray for them like you pray for your own child? You may not know what they're going through. There's a God that loves them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, you don't have to suffer in silence. You're part of a family. There's brothers and sisters that will hold you up. Come on, God's not only going to give you strength, He's going to give you a song. 
You'll turn your mourning into dancing. You'll turn your sorrow into joy. Good job.